this week has been planned to be a blessing to you and to be an honor and glory to our Lord Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about the triumphant entry. You'll find that in your Bible at the book of Mark, chapter number 11. You'll find it also, if you would please, in Luke 19. You'll find it also in your Bible at John 12. And you'll also find it in your Bible in Matthew 21. A very significant time in our Lord's life. So very significant that it is mentioned in all of the gospel uh, writers. And uh, today for just, we'll be skipping around just a little bit. But today should be a day of rejoicing, a day of glee, a day of happiness, a day of praise. That the King of Kings and Lord of Lords now enters Jerusalem Himself proclaiming himself to be king. Without any shadow of a doubt. Wednesday. Is a dark day. If you should gaze upon any calendar. Friday. They say is. Good Friday. They say that's when Jesus was crucified. But I have a problem with that. How do you get three days and three nights from Friday until Sunday? The problem with that. So I think I could take the Bible and show you that Jesus was not crucified on Friday, but on Wednesday. And Wednesday night, we will take our Bibles and we'll... Decide really when was Jesus crucified? Why was Jesus crucified? And what significance does it have with us? And then on Sunday, next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, isn't that a wonderful time? When all death and hell and every imp in hell tried to hold Jesus down. To the extent that when he came out of the grave, a tremendous earthquake shook the earth and the rocks were rent. What a glad day. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of the death is law. But thanks be unto God that give us us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Up from the grave he arose. Are you glad of that? Uh, the devil couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. All of hell's imps couldn't hold him because he's a mighty God. Amen. Well, since I didn't study and I spent all day yesterday with the foolish game of golf, we'll be dismissed now in a word of prayer. And after I played 18 holes of golf yesterday, I do know we all stand in need of prayer. <laughs> the Bible says, and I love God's book. The Bible says in Mark chapter 11, 
so significant that Mark is the shortest book in the Gospels, but yet he gives more attention to the triumphant entry than either one of the other authors. The Bible says, and when they come nigh to Jerusalem, under Bethpage and Bethany, by the way, at Bethany is where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. All that news is still circulating on Fox News, CBS, BULL, and all the other stations. He raised somebody from the dead. Lazarus was dead and now he's alive. And across the countryside that news has swept. Now Jesus is leaving Bethany, going to Jerusalem. And he said unto them, go your way into the village over against you. And soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied whereon never man set, loose him and bring him. And if any man say to you, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without the place where two ways met, and they loosed him. Certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? They said unto them, Even as Jesus hath commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And they spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our Father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when they looked around about upon all things, now the evening tide was come. He went out into Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray together. Our Father, today we thank you so very much for this beautiful, beautiful day, this beautiful story. And these folks that have come to listen today, I pray that you'd please guide, direct, help, give me wisdom and give me the things to say. Help me not to offend. Help me not to discourage. Help me to encourage those who need it today. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone has said there could have been as many as 100,000 to 2 million folk in Jerusalem the day that they had the triumphant entry. From all over Israel, all over Judaism, they have come to celebrate the Passover. They are there and everybody is commanded in the book of Deuteronomy and the law to spend that day, the Passover feast, in Jerusalem. They have gathered from all over the country. The reason that Jesus and the disciples are in Bethany and Bethpage because there's no room for them in the inn. Everybody's already got all the motels and the hotels 
They're all been reserved and they're all being occupied. And so in the outlying communities around Jerusalem, it necessitated that people be there traveling back and forth. Word is out that that one that raised Lazarus from the dead, he's coming to town. If you read your Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll find that very little is mentioned about Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem. You read the book of John, and most of it is given over to his ministry in Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for a specific reason. Five days before the Passover. Five days before Calvary. Five days before the flogging the beating, the blasphemy. Five days. You say, how do you know that? John 1, John 12 and verse 1, John 12 and verse, uh, John 12 and verse 12. And you'll find that it is five days preceding Calvary. What a parade. What a crowd. Taking their clothes and laying on the street so that Jesus donkey may walk on the clothes fig trees had been cut and mangled and by the way do you know there's no trees in Jerusalem eight trees in the garden no trees wonder what happened to all the trees you may suggest what happened to all the trees they cut them down to crucify Jews 70 A.D., Titus of the Romans, completely destroyed all the forest. And there's no trees in Jerusalem now. But there was when Jesus made his triumphant entry. Five days before Calvary. Could I please read you a verse over in Mark chapter number 15? Please, if you would, please. I'd like to preach you a message today entitled, Why Did They Change Their Tune? Listen to them, if you would please, in Mark 11. And they went before, and they that followed crying, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's Psalms 118, verse 26. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus saves the highest. Hosanna saves. Now, verse 12 of chapter 15 of the same book, five days later. Five days. Not five weeks. Not five months. Five days. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him who rode into town on a donkey? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Don't take long, does it? I said, doesn't take long, does it? Don't take long for the new to wear off. 
See, he rode into town proclaiming himself to be king. And they crucified him. And one time he rode into town on a white donkey. The next time he comes to town, he'll be on a white horse. Would you like to read about that? The book of the Revelation, the last book in your Bible. And you'll find nestled over the hundred in the verses in chapter number 19 of the book of the Revelation. And you'll find over there a different picture, if you please. Just a slight different picture. And the Bible says in Revelation verse nine, chapter 19 and verse 11. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the eastern lands there are two types of mules. One type of mule was the mule that the kings rode on, a huge, strong, fast animal. The other a mule that they used to bear burdens and to pull the plows. Now the mule that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on is not the swift, kingly mule. It's the low, burdensome mule. And he rides into town, not only verbally proclaiming himself to be king, but also visibly Proclaiming himself to be king. Oh, look at the lowly Savior. So kind. He came to his own, but his own received him not. Friday afternoon, they're saying, Hosanna to the king. Wednesday afternoon, they're saying, crucify him. Same guy, same crowd. We haven't changed much, have we? Sunday we sing, oh, how I love Jesus, until the offering plate comes by. <laughs> Hadn't changed much, have we? <laughs> Amen, preacher. What changed their tune? They meant well at the triumphant entry. And here, five days later, they're saying, crucify. He pro proclaimed himself to be king. He rode into town on a donkey, but the next time he comes back, he's not riding on a donkey. Notice, if you would, verse 11, Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a what? White horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Have you ever seen a picture of Jesus with his eyes of a flame of fire? I just about almost bet you, if you've ever seen a picture of Jesus, he has Roman features, Roman facial features, not Jewish. 
And certainly not eyes of a flame of fire. The Bible goes on to say, are we having fun yet? And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with vestures dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Where did he get the army? Oh, he got the army seven years prior when the church was raptured out. And by the way, if you don't know how to ride a horse, you need to go take some lessons. I know some Baptists that fall off just to cause havoc in the parade, don't you? And the armies of heaven followed him on white horses. I like this. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress with the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The first time I came, they crucified him. The next time he comes, there'll not be a vote. Because he's coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Not riding on a borrowed coat, but on his own white stallion. Glory to God, I'm looking forward to that. I really am. The older I get, the more I want him to come back. Five days before Calvary, the triumphant entry, the very last week of his life, if you please, it's the time of the Passover feast. It's the greatest of all the Jewish uh, holidays in all their history. It's a time of celebration of when Israel was delivered out of Egypt with the mighty hand of Almighty God by the death of the firstborn. You remember the death angel flying through the, the country of Egypt. And God told Moses, you tell the children of Israel to kill a lamb of the first year without spot and without blemish. And take his blood, sprinkle it on the doorpost. And at night when the death angel flies over, if they see the blood, they will pass over your house. No one will die. When he sees the blood, he will pass over you. The Passover lamb, the blood of the lamb. Safety for all of those who have received the Lamb. And sure as the world, here, just five days from now, there's going to be a Lamb. God's perfect Lamb be sacrificed at Calvary. And yet, every Jew missed that picture. Here they come to Jerusalem, bring in their lamb. And if they traveled so far they could not bring their lamb, they could buy lambs down at the temple to sacrifice for their Passover offering. 
Isn't it amazing? Here's the Lamb of God standing right before them. And what did they do? They rejected him. Well, I got my little lamb I'm going to put on the altar. God said, what you need to do, except my lamb that I'm going to put on the altar. And they rejected the lamb. Can you imagine a time of celebration? Egypt's bondage was remembered. Thousands had gathered, if you please. And here the lamb without spot was standing right before him. And what did they do? They criticized him. Can you imagine the multitudes? I think they're having a big march over in Dallas today. Isn't there having a march? I don't, we've had so many marches, I'll tell you. I don't know what they're all for. I think we ought to march against old age. <laughs> I think we ought to protest to God not to let us grow old. And not shorten our backswing and shorten the distance we have to walk to the golf ball. I just think we need, but we have a tremendous parade, an absolute hallelujah. This water walker is coming to town. This demon chaser is coming to town. This one that walks into the graveyards and speaks the word and graves flouting and dead people. Rise, He's coming to town. That one that raised Lazarus the other day, he's coming to town. And news is out and crowds are gathering from Galilee, from Jerusalem, from all over. Throngs of people are watching him as he comes down the way. They're laying their, their clothes at his feet. They're laying the palm leaves at his tree. And they're, Hosea, blessed in the high, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Didn't take long for that to wear off. We've got a problem. We really got a problem. What's the problem? Well, the people really didn't understand the plan. Jesus didn't ride in town on a donkey just because he wanted to ride in town on a donkey. Luke 19, verse 37 and verse 38. The Bible said they were following following him because of all his mighty works. They liked the miracles and the power and the showmanship. And they liked the kitty special down at Captain D's fishes. Two pieces and french fries, if you please. And they liked all the miracles. Why, did you know this guy even walked on the water? He's coming to town. This is a guy who dealt with legion and cast the demons out. And they run into a bunch of hogs and they run off the cliff and committed suicide. He's coming to town. Yeah, let's, everybody, bring your pencil, get an autograph. Who knows that autograph may be worth as much as a baseball signed by Andrew one day. 
The problem here is, the thing that changed their tune from Hosanna to crucify him is they did not understand the plan. God has a plan. And the reason that folk today are out of church, they don't understand the plan. They think they're doing the planning. When 550 years before, in Zechariah 9 and 9, you know what the Bible said 550 years before? Let me read it to you. Behold, daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, having salvation, lowly riding upon an ass, Upon the colt, the fowl of the ass, the foal of the ass. 550 years before Jesus ever got on that colt, Zechariah said, that's what's going to happen. God has a plan. And whether you like it or not, He's still in charge. He is in charge today as he's ever been. Now, the facts has taken a hold on the folk. And instead of miracles and water walking and healings and routes of fishes and demons running, instead of all of that, Jesus begins to deal with them in facts, facts, facts. No miracles after Mark 11. No miracles, just facts. And when facts started hitting the folk, they changed from, look who's here, nail him to a cross. Facts. You see, when Jesus started talking to them about uh, him dying on a cross, they weren't looking for somebody to die on a cross. They were looking for somebody to deliver them from slavery and bondage of the Roman Empire. They were looking for a sovereign, not a savior. And then Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you got to take up your cross and he that, that uh, hates his own life shall be my disciple. But he that loves his life more than me cannot be my disciple. Uh, the birds have nest, but the Son of Man have not a place to lay his head. Wasn't much in it for them, since he didn't have much. So when facts started hitting them in the face, they changed their tune. I wonder if that don't happen to us sometimes. Hmm? You know, when you get saved, everything's supposed to be hunky-dory. No more arguing. 
kids automatically grow halos, <laughs> grow wings and start flying around the house, cleaning up the house and cleaning up their mess, and cleaning the bathrooms and making the beds. Oh, isn't it wonderful to be saved? No more problems until we wake up. They were looking for a miracle sovereign to deliver them from bondage. They were not looking for a king who's going to hang on a cross as a suffering savior. They didn't understand the plan. Do you understand the plan of God? It's not what you get. It's what you give that really counts. Do you, you really understand that if he took you out of your problems, you wouldn't know he could help you solve them? Do you really understand what's going on? Lastly, they didn't understand the price. I like Paul Harvey. When he said, now the rest of the story. Read the rest of the chapters from Mark 11 to the end of the book. Read the rest of the chapters from John 12 to the rest of the book. Read the rest of the chapters from Matthew 21 to the rest of the book. It's not about miracles any longer. Not shouting, praise God, hallelujah, and praise teams. No longer just singing, but he starts talking about sin. It's not about a sovereign who's coming to deliver them from bondage, but it's about a suffering Savior hanging on the cross. You see, we, we tend to change our tune when it goes from feeling to sacrifice. Well, I just didn't get out of the service this morning what I expected. Maybe you ought to drink something before you come then. You see, when serving Christ costs more than we want to pay, that's when we change our tune. Go to church three times a week? My God, what is that all about? How many times you go to the gym? Is that working? <laughs> Amen! <laughs> Just how exciting is that? My exercise consists from the bedroom to my chair back to the bedroom and hoping I can get back to the chair. <laughs> See, when the feeling wears off, the shout wears off. When we really figure out that God has a plan for us, the excitement leaves a lot of times. It was 50 years ago I had 22 men working for me in a tool and die shop over in Dallas. 
And I thought everything was all right. I was floating money pretty good, flying all over the country and out, out of the country, selling tools, repairing tools, designing tools, and helping manufacturers in production and so forth and so on. The doggone this thing happened one Thursday night. A preacher showed me how to be saved. Boy, did he throw a monkey wrench into my life. I knelt by my couch one night and just said, Lord Jesus, I am a dirty, rotten, no good sinner. And everybody in town voted yay. <laughs> and I knelt a hellbound sinner and stood up a heaven-bound saint. Explain it. I can't. But prove it. For 50 years I've tried with all my heart. And then he said, I want you to preach the gospel. I said, Lord, I'm so bashful. I've slipped up on a mirror to comb my hair. And you want me to preach the gospel. That's when the shout give away. Now, I could like a lot of you folks said, no, I think I'll just go ahead and stay at the job. But 50 years later, it has been worth it all Amen. since I met Jesus. All life trials seem so small since I've met him. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So quickly run the race till I see Christ. Amen. You know what changed their tune? The devil got mad. The first wave hit them in the face. The first problem came along. And they said, crucify him. Jesus said to the twelve, you remember, will you also go away? God has a plan. They didn't understand the plan. They didn't want to pay the price. They didn't realize the penalty for not paying the price. I thank God for godly parents raised me in an old country home in Tennessee. We were poor, but we didn't know it because we was as rich as all of the poor folk living around us. I'll tell you, if it ran across our yard slower than five miles an hour, we killed it and eat it. And if it got in a hole, we'd work all day long digging it up just to eat it. You say, you're kidding. No, I am not kidding. My, my grandparents and my aunts and uncles used to take a possum. You know what a possum is? If you educate folk, it's opossum. It's one of them good-looking, smiling-looking suckers, you know. They'd take a possum and put it in a barrel with corn for four or five days and let it eat nothing but corn. And after about four or five days, he became dinner. You say, have you eaten possum? 
I didn't say me, I said they. (laughs) Didn't realize the penalty. But I thank God that I was born when I was born, raised where I was raised. You know, in grammar school, when I was in grammar school, I can remember somebody coming to the principal and said, we're having a revival down at the Baptist church. Starts at 10 o'clock. And I can remember they'd dismiss school. We'd make the long trip. We'd walk down to the revival service, go to the revival service, leave and go back to school. Next month, they'd have one in the Pentecostal church. Next week, you'd have one in the Methodist church. And all the kids would go to school. Go to the revival service. Come a long way, ain't we, baby? Well, all of those old preachers, they used to eat a chicken and a half, throw their coat a mile and a half, and preach an hour and a half. Man, they'd preach. Couldn't hear, couldn't understand what they were saying. Most of the time they'd suck it and uh, just preaching long. But you know what? When I was a kid, that stuck. That stuck. So when I got to be 26, somebody walked in the house and said, do you believe the Bible? I said, I sure do. Do you believe there's a Savior? I sure do. Do you believe there's a heaven? I sure do. We've forgotten those truths, have we not? God has a plan. God paid the price. And we reject the price, we'll have to pay the penalty. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. Death. But the gift of God, can anybody say amen? The gift of God is what? Eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. He enters Jerusalem on a donkey. He spends a week in Jerusalem. He goes through a mock trial and suffers an excruciating death and is buried and three days later up from the grave he arose, becoming victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Now he can pay our price for sin. Are you glad of that? He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm so glad. That I understood. If I died without Christ. Eternity. Would be long and painful. But because of him. I'm saved. Saved yes. On my way to heaven, sure as the world. And I'm wondering today, on this day of the triumphant entry, it'd be nice to sing our songs of praise and raise our voice in praise. But really, do we understand that God has a plan for each of us? Do we really understand The price God has already paid for us. And do we really understand the penalty if we reject God's payment? 
for us. Oh, please, think about that. Think about that. Someone asked me the other day about witnessing the folk and, and he said, uh, somebody, somebody, that's probably, uh, what's a Russian leader name? That's Putin. Want me to tell him, explain about missiles. Putin must understand the plan. And he must understand that he's going to have to pay a price. And he must understand that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left its crimson stain, but Jesus' blood washed it. White as snow. Do you know you can get ready for heaven this day? You don't have to be a Baptist to go, because I don't even think half of them are going. (laughs) But you do have to be saved to go. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. I've preached my mama's funerals, preached my daddy's funeral, preached my sister's funeral. Death separated me from my kinfolk and my loved ones. Death separates the soul from the body. That's the first death. But the Bible talks about a second death. A second death. They shall be cast into the lake of fire, and that is the second death. To fulfill the definition of of death, it merely means separation. One of these days, my wife will look into my lovely face, and it'll look like nobody's home. And there really won't be anybody home, because Jean moved out of this life and moved in. To eternal life. And Gene will be separated from the tabernacle which God gave him called the body. And Gene will leave this, but the body will be here. Separation. Oh, but my friend, if you're not saved, that second death, that second separation is when your soul and your body and your spirit is eternally separated from God Almighty and cast into the lake of the damned, there to ever be separated from goodness, kindness, love. Never, never to experience a smile, a song, but be tormented in the pits of the damned forever. That is the second death. You must understand God's plan. You must appreciate God's price. You must be leery of God's penalty for those who do not get saved.